What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. A Dear Media original podcast. Welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Today, we are getting wine plus Christmassy with it. Every holiday has a wine pairing, and today we're going to be digging into Christmas. The who, the what, the where, the why, the how. I guess we should back it up and say that there is an OG relationship between wine and Christmas that goes way, way back. When I say way back, I mean it was even before Christmas kind of really existed. We're talking Greek and Roman times. And so it wasn't called, quote unquote, Christmas, obviously, because we know why there wasn't Christ, et cetera, et cetera, and the manger and the three wise men or kings. I don't know. I was in a pageant as a kid. There were live animals, but I don't remember much from it. Bad Sunday school attendee. Really didn't like to go. So before there was quote unquote Christmas, there were lots of holiday celebrations around December times, but they were pagan holidays and they were usually like a celebration and a time when people made stuff and consumed and were joyous with merriment together. And it was the advent of the consumption of mulled wine, the hot topic everyone has been waiting for a wine face to be about, mulled wine. People drank mulled wine to celebrate, but they also drank mulled wine to stay strong against the cold. I guess warriors during those times would drink mulled wine on the battlefield to fortify themselves or maybe just take the edge off. I mean, war is crazy. But what is mulled wine? This is not a podcast about war. Mulled wine is wine that's warmed with spices and you might add some other things to it. But in general, that's basically what it is. You can add Lots of spices, a little spices. You can add other liqueurs. You can literally dress the thing up or keep it really simple. Teaser alert. We are going to have a mulled wine cocktail corner at the end of this episode. Okay, so back to the relationship between Christmas and wine. It really started OG. Everybody is cozy in December, even before Christmas existed. Everybody's drinking mulled wine. 
They're fortifying themselves. There's lots of merriment. And even today, much of Europe, and especially in England and some of the Nordic countries, all drink mulled wine. Everyone has their own recipe. There's different names for it. This is not a mulled wine episode, (laughs) even though I'm literally, I think I've said mulled wine 20 times. But it is an episode about what do you do on Christmas? What kind of wine should you drink? So if you want to take it back to the OG origins of the holiday and what has been most common throughout the history of time, get that stove fired up. That was me clicking my stove. Ignite. By the way, my son Sky has learned how to turn the stove on, which he's 15 months old. Like that's terrifying. He's not old enough to make mulled wine. It is inappropriate. And we're at a point where we're trying not to say no because he doesn't really understand the concept of no. So we're in a constant redirection anyway. So there's a direct link though to when Christmas really became associated with mulled wine. It was in the Victorian English era and it was a sign of sophistication that people around Christmas time would drink mulled wine. Mm, Okay, listen. It's not at the top of my list, drinking mulled wine. It's definitely not the top of Oprah's list, but I think we can make a pretty decent one, which I'm going to tell you about at the end of this episode. But if you ask me what is the pairing of wine plus Christmas, I'm going to give you two areas of interest. I'm going to say it's all about red wine and champagne. I think that's my classic Christmas holiday pairing. I sometimes have a cocktail, but usually I think it's a time for merriment, My family isn't really the type of family that gets up and opens presents and drinks champagne, but I feel like maybe I want that tradition to start. Maybe it's going to start this year. Skyly Boo Boo, go get your stocking. I'm popping the champagne. Woo! We're making pancakes, lumberjack breakfast. I mean, I feel like it's the ultimate cozy land holiday. You want to stay home. You want to kind of, if you get presents, put them all on and over your pajamas or under your pajamas. Like they're all kind of surrounding you. You want to have a little glass of champagne, eat your pancakes. I think that to me is the ultimate. Now, when we talk about champagne, I just want to give you a hot tip. If you have questions about champagne or you're like, what is champagne? Guess what? In uh, about a week, you are going to get the history of champagne. So we are bringing it to you hot and live just in time for New Year's Eve. Sorry about that teaser alert. But listen, when I say champagne, I mean the real deal, which means it's grapes that are grown in champagne. It's wine that is made in champagne. Champagne is a place in France. It's not just a place our dreams are made of and takes it to the next level. It is a little bit more expensive. When you have other wine that's not champagne, also could be cool for Christmas morning if you're celebrating. You could get a Cremant. I would say don't do Prosecco unless you're going to mix it with orange juice because Prosecco on its own is just kind of like, eh, but why? But that's my personal. If you love Prosecco, don't hate me for saying it. So you could do a Cremant, which is a sparkling wine not made in champagne, but made from the same method and thought process and ideology as wine that's made in champagne. So aka it's hella meticulous. Or if you want to get kind of funky free, just have a pet nat on Christmas morning. Now, It's more than just pancake, slam dunk, whatever I said, breakfast and champagne. Wine and a holiday, especially one like Christmas where hopefully you're not getting in a car. You don't even need to pick up your phone. You're really unplugged for the whole entire day comes down to what are you going to cook for Christmas dinner or lunch, whatever 
you may have. So me personally, I love ham. I love ham on a Christmas. I also would, you know, fuck with a turkey. Like I know Thanksgiving just happened, but if it's a really special heritage bird, I will go hard in the paint. But let me just tell you, one of the craziest things I've had for Christmas, I didn't make it. My mom has made two epic meals. One of them was duck a l'orange. And that was delicious. But I mean, she slaved over that duck a l'orange for hours. I don't even know if she Christmas enjoyed it. The other one is goose. The last time I was home for Christmas, my mom made a goose. And I just watched that show, Chef vs. Wild. I don't know what channel it's on. It doesn't matter. We're not plugging it here. But it's basically a chef is dropped into the wild with a forager. And they have to like forage all their ingredients and they're freezing and they get urchin. And this last episode, they were given a goose. And I had like throwback shutters of this goose. My mom had to baste the goose, no joke, 50 times to try and ensure tenderness because it's a tough ass bird, man. So if you're going to have goose, <laughs> you really need a succulent red wine to go with that goose. And if you're going to have, all right, we'll get to ham and turkey later because that's a whole side combo. My brother and I talked on the phone, by the way, before today, I said, Chris, what should we have for Christmas day dinner. We got to give mom floater some ideas. And my brother just flat out was like, well, we're definitely not having goose. So you can tell the goose is in infamy in my household. What would I pair with a goose? You need something succulent and velvety, maybe something like a Chateauneuf de Pop that's made from Grenache. Or maybe even you need just like a stand-up Bordeaux, even though that's not my first choice of wine to drink all the time. There's this amazing producer, Fleur de Garderose, and it's basically a really traditional Bordeaux house. Their son has this sort of punk rock side project where he's making natty Bordeaux on the side in San Emilion, and it's Merlot dominant with a little Cab Franc, and it literally could take the goose south in formation, but kind of sidebar, crazy how geese fly in formation and a lot of birds. Okay, a little bit of ADD on the goose, but circling back, if you were going to have ham, so here's the pro move. Here's what I think. We have a ham that's out all day and it's from Benton's probably in Kentucky or some dope farm in Tennessee. We're going to get a real deal ham, kind of chills on the counter there's Hawaiian sweet rolls, there's mustard, there's pickles. We're having a Southern moment. My brother did tell me on the phone that he must have cornichon and baguette for his little daytime sandwiches. So as you can see, we're related, but have divergent paths in what we want our ham snacks to be. As we're snacking on said ham, champagne would literally be the obvious choice for this. But I also feel like we're starting to cook we're starting to make Christmas dinner and support my mom and help her. I think Christmas to me is about pulling out all the stops. It's about go big, go home, whatever that budget means to you. But for me, I'm going to get some white burgundy, which is Chardonnay made in Burgundy in France, grown in some super succulent, fossilized seashell limestone soil. I mean, what's crazy about Burgundy is it was literally underwater millions of years ago. So it has all this amazing synergy and energy that like you can't make this shit up. You can't create it out of nothing. It's also the primary reason why California Chardonnay and Chardonnay from Burgundy taste so different is, that's right, the concept of 
terroir, the geological substructure. So I think I would sip on a little burgundy, maybe something from Merceau, maybe something from Chablis. We're having the ham and Chablisi. It makes me feel breezy, so it's going to be really fab. And then segue into turkey. I mean, I guess that's an obvious choice, but maybe we'll get crazy. My mom always throws out she wants to do a rib roast. I guess we get down with that, but listen, wine and Christmas is limitless. There's also in my partner Alex's family, totally different set of flavors. It is the time of year for the tamales. And I know people eat tamales all year round, but in Alex's family, and I think it's traditional to Mexican culture, but I'm not sure. I, I can't say I'm not an expert. It's the time of year that tamales are made and consumed the most. And Delfina Becerra, my goodness, she throws down these jalapeno and cheese tamales. Also, this spiced soft pork. I mean, they just literally melt in your mouth and then are salsa on top. So we're talking about flavors that what do you pair with that when you introduce a little bit of heat and a little bit of spices that you might not naturally think are conducive to wine, but actually they 100% are. What you need is a red wine that has low tannic structure, so it's not dry, so it doesn't have that effect of like a cat licking your tongue. It doesn't have that feeling of sandpaper. It's going to be more juicy, more fruity, but not sweet. Those types of red wines, they're made from many different types of grape. It could be Grenache, it could be Gamay, it could be Pinot Noir, it could be Carignan. It's really all about how the wine is made and how much those red grapes are allowed to ripen. But something like that with my mother-in-law's tamales would be absolutely perfect. And then she makes her turkey. It blew my mind the first time I had it. She makes the turkey. I think I talked about this at Thanksgiving, but she makes another one at Christmas sometimes where she stuffs it with meat and then we make the foldy tacos. And straight up, those would go really well with champagne. I know that sounds insane, but it's just this combination of corn tortilla, a little bit of meat, a little bit of sour cream, tiny bit of salsa, tiny bit of blow my mind. But sadly this year, I am not there. We are not with her. We got to spend a beautiful Thanksgiving. So I'm really focusing my energy on what does my New York wine plus Christmas mean? So many different things. But if you're all over the country, what does it mean for you or what would I encourage you to do? Well, let's talk about red wine because I talked about champagne and I think no matter where you live, whether you're in the snow or you're like dappled by some shade from a palm tree, maybe you're on a Caribbean cruise, I feel like everyone in their mind on Christmas Day has this image of themselves in like a cozy turtleneck sweater. They got a big wine glass in their hand. They're swirling a nice, cozy, fuller-bodied red. And that's just the MO that everyone wants. It's like there's a fire burning. There might be a rug that you're sitting on. Maybe a board game is happening. I don't know. This is not necessarily my life, but... When I think about wine plus Christmas, this is 100% where it's going in my third eye, which is my mind's eye, which means maybe I haven't experienced it, but I can see it. Okay, so the top three cozy, fuller-bodied reds that will speak to everyone in your family, I think is a very safe way to go when you're pairing wine with Christmas. I would have to say the Cote de Rhone is an obvious place to go. The Cote de Rhone is usually a blend of Grenache and Syrah. It's in between the north and south 
Rhone areas, which are famous in the north for Syrah and in the south for Grenache, be absolutely delicious and fabulous and so satisfying. But I also think it's a time of year, maybe you want to leave behind Old Faithful and get into something that's a little more exciting or new or off the beaten path. And I think a good place to go is Spain. There are these mountainous areas in Spain, Vino de Madrid. There's this collective of winemakers called Cuatro Monos. And it's four friends who found these vineyards higher up in the elevation of some mountains and sort of revived these Grenache vines that had sort of been overlooked and not tended to. But the result is these are older vines that don't need much cultivating, just a little bit of love. And the result is this incredible wine that has fruit and earth and like is begging to be poured into a nice large glass while you wear your beautiful new sweater over your pajamas. No, under your pajamas? Wait, no. Are we wearing pajamas all day? I also grew up in a household where you had to dress up for dinner. There's a lot that goes on with the Christmas politics, which is why, obviously, you need wine. Okay, so the third type of cozy, fuller-bodied red, I think you have to go for something that's from California. Now, this isn't, or maybe not California, but something that's domestic. This isn't necessarily a wine that you would find in any one region, but I think you want to bring into the conversation a Pinot Noir that's made domestically. So either that's Oregon, Washington State, or California. And the reason why is people might not associate it with a cozy, fuller-bodied red, but there is more fruit, so it gives across the illusion that the wine is full and lush and brimming with fruit while not being so heavy. And I think the one thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about wine and Christmas and how to create this tradition is there are quite a few people who drink wine all day. And you just don't want to go too hard in the paint too early. So a lighter wine most likely will have less alcohol and it will be kind of, I don't want to say easier to drink your wine all day, but it will actually not feel so heavy. But what if we just flip the freaking script? What if we just do a winter rosé? Oh, hell to the yeah. You could totally do a winter rosé. Some people might be wondering, what is a winter rosé? It is not a real category. It is literally something I'm just saying. We call rosés that we serve all year round by the season when it's not summer. So right now, for the past few months, we've had fall rosés. And coming into winter, we're going to have winter rosés because rosé is actually all year round when it's grown in places aside from Provence in France. That's really where the seasonal aspect is and where it most famously comes in is like, in April, rosé comes out from France and then everyone freaks out and gets on a yacht to go to, I don't know, Capri, which sounds great, from Provence to Capri. I know, France to Italy. I get it, I get it. So winter rosé, an example of that, it's going to be a little bit darker hued. It might be made from an Italian grape varietal like Barbera or Nero Diavola. It's going to be more cranberry colored in the glass, a little bit more crimson, have a lot of freshness, but a touch of salt. And to me, it would not only be kick-ass around the board game or the campfire, but it would also be super fantastic with the goose that you just didn't want your mom to make, but she like literally made it like a contest with herself. 
could she make this goose tender? And we all, I mean, I think I drank like three spagliatos just being like, I guess we're having goose and we're not going to cry about it and root vegetables. I mean, I'm not complaining. What an amazing experience. Wine, the one thing it will change is the experience of opening presents. Just make sure you don't spill on your new duds. Also, make sure you don't have too many glasses to dull your reactions. I mean, we've all gotten that present that we really didn't want. Actually, I once gave a family member who will remain anonymous a present, and they gave it back to me. So... Let me just say, it was a good thing I had my glass of cozy, fuller-bodied red. Now we have come to my favorite time of the day because you have enough time to go out, purchase any ingredients you might not have to make this mulled wine. Let's get ancient with it. Let's be Greco-Romans out in the battlefield. Okay, I don't, not that violent, but let's be all pagan with it and like celebrating and merriment. So... For this round of Cocktail Corner, it is Helen's mulled wine. When would I have mulled wine? Maybe I would mull some wine to take on the after-dinner walk about because you're so full, and I think mulled wine's very nice outside. Except, you know, if you ask my mom, she's literally cold all the time, so she's going to want mulled wine all day. But the beauty of the mulled wine is you can just have it on the stove forever a-simmering. Okay, you don't really want to simmer it that long, but here is the basics. Traditionally, they say you can get like a bottle of any red wine. I like to layer in a lighter red wine. I don't want it to be too heavy. I think it also allows the red wine to be more receptive to flavors you're layering in. Do not spend a lot of money on this bottle of wine. Make sure it's good quality. What I mean by that is like organically farmed grapes, but the flavor of it is inherently going to change. So Don't go ball out with a $60 bottle that you're then going to convert into mulled wine. I'm talking $15 bottle here. Low risk, high reward. All right. So then you take the wine, glug, glug, glug. You put it in the pot. And I like to use a mix of cinnamon stick, but I only do one. Okay. And also for the full recipe, don't run and grab a pen. Just go to the show notes. There's a link to the full recipe. So no stress. I like to use cardamom pods because they're so warming. And I also like to use cloves because they're just zaza delicious. So I'm going to put all those together in the pot with the wine. And you want to bring it to a simmer and then turn it down. So you don't really want to simmer it. If you boil it, it's going to cook off the alcohol completely. And then basically, what's the point? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And if you want to do that, you can. And this is, I cannot verify that it will completely cook off the alcohol, okay? So if you serve this to someone who does not drink alcohol, just beware. Like boiling the shit out of it probably will burn it all off, but I can't guarantee it. I am not a wine doctor. So bring it to a simmer, then turn it to like medium low heat so it's warming, but we're not bubbling and we're not boiling at all. I like to add a little bit of the juice of an orange and a tiny bit of zest. I don't like a lot of zest. I actually usually just take the peels off and let them hang out in there, which I will then remove. But I put a little peel in, a little bit of juice. I like to add some real deal apple cider straight from the mill, yo, but not too much because the apple cider is going to act as a natural sweetening agent for the mulled wine. It's not going to change the flavor profile, hopefully only enhance it. And then 
if you want to kick it up a notch, here's what I recommend. And you don't, you shouldn't add this as it's like sitting on your stove. I think what could be really fun and really cute, especially if you set up like a little serve yourself mold wine bar, is have three different spirits that are optional add-ins, a shot of them, not all three, but people could pick and choose to kind of take the mold wine to the next level. So the first one I would say is more on the traditional side would be people could add a little bit of bourbon. I would say an ounce per serving. You could have it cute set up on a tray with like a little measure and they ladle into their mug, their mold wine, and then they could add a little bourbon. The second one, which is more traditional in Nordic countries, would be you could add a little vodka, um, which is not going to change the flavor. It just kind of enhances the feeling that the drink will give you. And then the third one, which I think would be really cool and more digestive, is to add a little bit of Amaro. Amaro is a digestif. It's made from mysterious blends of herbs and spices. It's fortified, many different styles of Amaro, but I would go for a darker, sweeter one, which is going to kick this mulled wine more into a desserty zone. Desserty zone before you have to have your Christmas Yule log, which, by the way, my mom crushes a Christmas Yule log. It's very impressive. It seems like a three-day job, but she really gets those mushroom meringues, nails it. I'm always fooled. I'm like, is that a log? It's a cake. (laughs) All right, so that's mulled wine, y'all. Again, for a more detailed how-to on that recipe, go to the show notes and you can find a link. I wish everyone who is celebrating a Merry Christmas. I hope your wine and Christmas dreams come true. And this is Wine Face. If you want more information about wine, what we're into this holiday season, you can go to my website, helenswines.com. You can also go to helenswines.com where you could give the gift of Wine Club membership or give the gift of a dope-ass gift box because we do a lot of them. All right, y'all, you can follow along in my live stream of my Christmas day. Just kidding. But no, if you want to follow along more on the social medias, it's at Helen's Wines. All right, everyone, be cozy, safe, and healthy. Bye.